Go ahead and take a seat. Well, Happy New Year's Eve, everyone. The end of 2023 is coming, or it's here, I guess. Um, so my name is Patrick. I am your new student minister here at Norris Ferry. Um, and so this year, or I guess this time of year, is always an interesting time, a very unique time, because a lot of us will take some time that right now in this season to reflect over this last year. Right to think through, man. We've had such great things happen this year. Maybe you have, uh, maybe accomplished some of the goals that you've done. For us and my family, like moving here has been a great thing. Right from Shreveport, yeah, whoop, right Shreveport, um, and uh, so that's been a big part of it. We've also had some great experiences, even in past ministries of camp and things like that. That's just gone really well. And so some of us may be like, man, this has been one of the best years on record. But then some of us might be, on the other hand, going, wow, maybe this has been one of the hardest years we faced. The reality is, is that so many of us will face trials year in and year out. And so this is a time of really two things. One, a time of reflection or a t- and a time of anticipation. So that reflection is looking back on, hey, all of the good things that's happened, but also looking back on maybe some of the, the hard things have happened, right? Like how did they go? Are they through? Maybe we're in the middle of it right now. There's all different kind of things with that. And so all of those things that we think on this past year actually lead us to making what we call New Year's resolutions, right? This idea that we're gonna make uh, I guess a statement that's going to hopefully last longer than 30 days, right? So we're anticipating in this new year of 2024, we're going to be doing all of these things. I'm going to finally work out and walk into a gym for the first time. That's awesome. <laughs> um, all I to say, like we, we reflect over the last year and we look ahead and going, okay, some of the things I think we can improve on, right? We're setting goals. We're trying to achieve certain things. Um, and so today, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at uh, a, really a passage in James. This is a very special passage to my family and I, just because of what it's meant to us. But we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And so as you turn your Bibles there, I would like to just kind of share a little story of why this passage of Scripture means so much to my family um, and it all starts about two years ago. Uh, so two years ago, we only had three kids, my wife and I. So we had Piper, we had Easton, and Tatum. Um, so Piper was about four, Easton was two, Tatum was uh, less than six months. And it was around this time of year um, that we got some really tough news. But to kind of lead into that, um, my son Easton, he was born, kind of had really a rough go in some sense of life. Um, he was premature. He was born um, with a genetic disorder that less than 1% of the country, or not country, world has. Let's make it a bigger. Um, but he also, and as we found out around that two-year-old mark or even before then, he had been developmentally behind for most, if not all, of his life. So we had something called Early Childhood Intervention, or ECI, come into our home twice a week. And these are the great speech pathologists and physical therapists and all of the people trying to come in that were partnering with us as mom and dad to try and just catch our student up or catch our child up to be developmentally normal in as many areas as we could as possible. And so by doing that, we, um, around this time of year, we got a new physical therapist that came into our home. And um, 
And so she met with our son on Tuesday and had this kind of evaluation and, and then came back Thursday and had a second evaluation. And in her opinion, there was such a drastic difference between Tuesday and Thursday that I think by the grace of God shared with us, hey, I think I need to refer you to a neurologist. And so hearing that as mom and dad, you're like, to a who? To a what? To a neurologist. And so we said, okay. So we went to a neurologist and they ended up doing some, I guess, scans of my child's brain, Easton's brain, and come to find out um, my son had a brain tumor that was resting on his cerebellum. So the very bottom part here. And so <clears throat> because of that, it was affecting some of his development. It was affecting a lot of parts of him, and it was going to require surgery. So right before Christmas in 2021, this is the news we get about eight days before Christmas Day. And so we literally went from, hey, we're just trying to help our child grow and be developmentally normal to going, we have a massive surgery that's about to have to happen here in the coming months. And so that became a trial in our life that really shook us. We're like, okay, well, what's the next step? How are we doing this? We had days where we were fearful about what the outcome of this would be. We were scared about different things um, of, I guess, really all of the different outcomes. Um, we face some discouragement, right? Some frustration. And so all to say, we set a date. We finally got a date to have this surgery, which was within that next month. Um, and the key part of that, the surgery was going to be a specific, basically needle with a laser on the end of it that would be inserted into my son's brain and to then... Um, I guess, really kill the tumor and shrink it down to a certain size so that it wouldn't grow anymore. Well, that was a specific tool. Come to find out two days before our surgery, that tool broke. And the reason that that surgery was an option, or one of the options, is because the size of the tumor could only be a certain size in order for that to be successful. Well, we are right on the cusp of that. And so they flew in all different types of people to come in and to try and fix this one very intricate machine. And so we had to wait another whole month before our son was able to have brain surgery. And long story short here is that he did have his surgery. Things went well. And we've come on the back end of it now. So now we're two years really removed or less than. And it's a interesting thing for me to think back at that time of how hard it was. But it's also really interesting to me to think back on how much not only do we see God work in our son's life, but we also saw how God worked in our life. And some of the takeaways that I have been able to share or take away from this experience is that <clears throat> God grew in me a level of compassion and empathy that I didn't have before. He grew in me a level of devotion or even commitment of just, no, I believe God is who he says he is, that I didn't have before then. He matured me in a way that was unexpected. And so I share all of that to say this, in these verses that we're gonna read here soon, in the midst of this trial that we were in, brought life to me and my family in a way that I really have a hard time describing. So that's why it means so much to me. And the other thing is, 
is the reality is that when we anticipate 2024, um, I've always heard it say one of three things are happening. Either you're coming out of a trial, you're in the middle of one, or you're about to enter into one, right? And so anticipating this idea of that we're going to walk through trials in 2024, or there are going to be some trials that we're not going to expect, some things that are going to come up, what I'm hoping today and encouraging you today is that we respond with what really Scripture says, and we anticipate it so that we're not reactionary. That's my hope today. So with that, let's turn to God's Word. Let's read this together, and let's dive in. So James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, when we first dive into this passage, we see here in verses 1 and even in verse 2 who the audience is. This isn't a, a book that's written specifically to a church. It's actually written to believers, my brothers in Christ. And the thing of who, what they were experiencing during this time was that they were being persecuted. They were being hunted down. They were being ran out of areas. So Christians in this time period, that's what was, they were experiencing. And so James here is writing this letter, you know, under the, the um, <laughs> inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. My voice is going. But inspiration of the Holy Spirit here. He's writing this letter to encourage those who are in the middle of all these things. And I find it interesting that the very first thing he says is that we should count it all joy, my brothers, so those who are in Christ, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, when I first read that, I was thinking, hold on, every part of my flesh disagrees with this, right? But that's why it's my flesh. It doesn't make sense. Why would I count it joyous when I'm in the midst of suffering? This doesn't, I don't understand, right? And in that, that was what my flesh is responding to. But then I go and lead to a question of like, okay, then why? Why should I count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds? I think there's one of two answers there that I would like to kind of share with us this morning. And so the first one actually comes back to going back to the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew chapter 7. So if you will turn with me there, Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to be in verses 13 and 14. So right here, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has just shared uh, the golden rule. And so right here, he talks about two things. He says in verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. For the gate that is narrow is the way that is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So we see here in this passage a couple of things. All right. And I want us to think of like, why can we count things as joy, right? These trials as joy uh, while we're kind of talking through this. And so the first part here is that you have your wide gate. 
Well, all of us are born on this path, right, that leads to destruction. We're born in sin. We sin all the time. We haven't accepted Christ at the very beginning here. And so in this, the path to destruction is easy. The path to destruction is wide. The path to destruction, many are on. But Jesus says here that there is a narrow gate. There's a narrow path that we can begin to go on. And now how to get there is the the key. We have to go through Christ in order to get on this narrow path. And so the idea here is that this narrow path that is talked about here in this passage is the way of it is hard. But it leads to life. It leads to eternal life. And so in this, when we think about how can we count it all as joy when we're in the middle of a trial? Well, I like to kind of describe it as like blinders on a horse, right? When we're in the middle of a trial, what do we focus on? A lot of times we're so focused on the suffering and the pain and what's going on that we miss the bigger picture. And what we're being reminded here in James, but we're also being shown here in Matthew, is that God is calling us to go, no, like I need you to focus on me and not the thing in the moment. And so how can we count it as joy? I think one is having the long-term view that, hey, the way is hard. Christianity is not easy. If anyone has ever told you Christianity is easy, the way is hard. It just says it right there. So this isn't going to be something that we're going to be able to coast through. This is something that's going to be challenging, something that we're going to be molding and maturing in. And so in all of that, that is some of the why of how we can count it all as joy, thinking of the outcome, the end goal here of eternity with Christ, where there's no more suffering, no more pain, and we are with our creator, our Lord, and our savior. But then the second comes back to the rest of the part in James. It says here, when you think about it, it says in verses three and four, Um, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you will be made perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So the reason we can count it all joy when we're facing these trials, and by the way, trials don't have to be these extreme things. Uh, Some trials can also be maybe just different seasons of life. Um, One thing I want to just try and clarify for us before we go any further is that a trial is something that we don't really bring on ourselves. This is something that kind of we enter into. This is something outside of our control. This isn't something that we chose. Um, these are some of the things of what trials are. And so, uh, for you know that right here in verse three, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, what this is comparing this to is that this trial is actually a testing of your faith. Right? It's, it's are you going to endure or uh, be steadfast? That steadfastness word can be translated to enduring or persevering. And what, really what we're seeing here in Scripture is that we're called to endure, to uh, persevere, to remain steadfast in the midst of all of this trial. Now, when I think of trials, and I shared with you a little bit of a trial that we experienced, I think of it as something that is pretty stressful, right? Something that uh, has a lot of pressure built up into it. And so I want us to think through this idea of how we mold different metals or even um, 
just purify certain things. So I want to think of like iron, all right? How is iron molded? Well, it's put into a fire and it is heated up to an extreme heat. One that breaks it down to a level where it can be pulled out and be put under extreme pressure and molded into what it's designed to be. I want us to think about when we're walking through trials, we're under this extreme pressure. We're under this extreme heat, right? There's suffering that's in all of this. And it's hard. And what Christ here is trying to, I guess, well, James encouraging us here is that he's calling us to endure. He's calling us to remain steadfast in him, right? So the idea is that we are to remain faithful, to still look to him. Because what happens if you try and pull that out earlier before it's reached a certain temperature? It doesn't, it's not able to be molded as well as it could be, right? So in that, when we think of this, of meeting trials of various kinds, this testing of our faith is going to produce this steadfastness. And so the steadfastness is, is like we are called to remain in Christ. In the midst of trial, so much of us want to pull away and isolate, right? We're like, man, if I could just be in my, literally my home, in my room by myself, it would be so much better. That's the biggest lie that you can believe. What God is calling us to here is that when we're under extreme pressure, when we're under extreme heat, when we're in the midst of suffering, we need to do two things. One, going back to the greatest commandment, we need to love God with our heart, soul, and mind. We need to lean in to that relationship with him. We need to spend more time with him. We need to grow in how we are not only knowing him, but loving him. And the second is like it, right? We need to stay connected with others. Part of being a part of God's people is staying connected. And so in this, because you being connected with others allows them to serve and love you well. And so all of this is coming into play. So remaining under the pressure, the testing of our faith, and verse 4 says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This idea of letting steadfastness have its full effect is the idea that we don't want to remove or try to find other ways to get out from under this pressure, to get out from under this fire. That in so much of this, this is God really maturing us, molding us to be made into the men and women that really reflect his image. This is a maturing process. It's hard. It's hard. And it's not fun. But it's one that's going to be made into more of to who God created us to be. And so this idea here that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, is the idea that we are maturing in pursuing God to get back to his perfect design. Because who is the author of perfection? The author of goodness. It's the one who created all things. And so by him molding us, and yes, by us walking through this, he's breaking down parts of us that 
would need to be broken down. For example, in my life, like there was a lack of compassion or even empathy that I had in my life before this experience with my son. And now I saw that or see that and there's a greater compassion, there's a greater empathy that I see how God to use this example of something so extreme like a brain tumor to be used to help mold me and mature me in ways that I didn't even know that needed to be. And so, let us have its full effect. The idea here is that we're not trusting in ourselves in any of this. We're depending on God, the one who created us. We're leaning into him. He's the one who's working in all of this. Because if we believe that God is sovereign in all things, then that's a part of it, right? Even in the midst of this trial, even in the midst of this suffering, he's still over all of it. So, I have three challenges for us as we kind of go into this new year of 2024, knowing that there are going to be some really good things that happen, but there are also going to be some trials that we may face. And remember we talked about earlier, there's either you're coming out of a trial, you're going into one, or you're in one right now. So here's my challenge to those who are in the midst of a trial at the moment. My challenge or charge for you is to press in to the one who created you. Press in to the relationship that you have with God. That's the first challenge. The second is like it. Press in to his people and the ones who you are, in a lot of ways, related with, you have something in common with. Lean in to them. Lean in to those who love and support you. And allow God to work not only in your life, but through others to help support and love you. Endure. Remain steadfast. Persevere, even in the midst of how hard it is. For those who are coming out of a trial and reflecting over all that's happened, all that's gone through, the, the amount of pressure that you were under, maybe even the outcome of what's happened. Remember what Christ did for you on the cross. Remember the eternal hope that you have in him. Remember that this is something that God has used to help mature you. There's a purpose behind this pressure. And also, like I said earlier, lean into God and to others. And then lastly, as the band begins to kind of come up, I want us to, if those who are maybe not in a trial and haven't been recently coming out of one, but may in some sense be preparing to go into one, this is a great opportunity for you to love on those in the midst of suffering, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so in that, here's some just encouragements. One is that we're not defined by our trials. And so when someone's in the middle of a trial, so much of what they say is all about it, right? So focused on that. What I would encourage you to do is to maybe even bring a meal to them. Love them in a way of just talking about how they are, what they're doing. Maybe something they're interested in. 
Because so much of what's happened or so much is said when those are in trials is all about whatever that trial is. I remember when I was with my son, it was all about when's the surgery, when's this happening, when's this happening. But then I had some people came into it, like, oh, we just want to check in on how you're doing. You want to go play golf? You want to go, I don't know, drive around? Do you want to do whatever you want? Like, there's other things like that that are extremely helpful and life-giving to those in the midst of all of that. So be that encouragement. Be the hands and feet of Jesus to this person. Because we're all connected under Christ. And so in all of this, my hope is that in 2024, we're going to have a great year. But my hope is, is that as we go into 2024, we don't react to things that come our way. We anticipate and then we endure. So with that, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to continue in our time of worship. Father, I thank you so much for this <clears throat> time that we have this morning to dive into your word, to be reminded of how you are over all things, Lord, how you're sovereign in all areas. God, I, I just thank you for how you've been um, so gracious to us by extending the life of your son through his death, burial, and resurrection and giving us an opportunity by grace through faith in him to even have a relationship with you. God, so many of us in 2024 want to have a greater, maybe more deep of a connection with you. Again, I know so much of that is by knowing you and loving you, but also walking in obedience in you. So God, would you in this next year allow us to mature in a way that brings glory to yourself. Lord, will we be able to, as a people of yours, be an encouragement to those in the midst of trial. And God, if we're in the midst of a trial, God, would we see past the immediate, but look towards the eternal and see you and be reminded that you're still sovereign over the situation, no matter how hard it is. God, we love you.